This is the Interesting-ish Podcast, where I hope you listen long enough to say, this was pretty interesting-ish. My name is Rick Meiring. I'll find the interesting stories, and you keep listening. Stick with me, folks. I'm still talking myself through this. Alright, once I have recorded something, then I can save it and add it to an episode. Hey everyone, Rick here, and I'm super excited for this episode. I got a chance to sit down with Jill Tannis, co-founder of the Nourish to Flourish Society. This organization's been around for about three years, and one thing I hope you have as a takeaway is to go check out their website, nourishtoflourishsociety.com. That information will be in the show notes, but they offer something called a 14-day reset, where basically you reset your body Uh, to listening closer, um, finding out about cravings, seeing if your body has kind of odd reactions or very telling reactions to different foods. And uh, it's a fascinating way to just kind of paint a different picture for how we interact with food. So if you have ever had a challenge or been on that roller coaster of trying different diets and facing cravings and striking out, this may be the podcast for you. Um, their work, both Jill's and Angel's, through the Nourish to Flourish Society, has been uh, a great benefit to our household, and uh, it's changed the way we approach food. And we have just been uh, really appreciative of all the work Jill has put in and the time she's given us. So it was a fascinating conversation. I think you'll really enjoy it too. There's going to be ways to connect with both myself and Jill in social media on the show notes so we really hope you enjoy the conversation and thanks for listening hello and welcome to the interesting ish podcast my name is rick meiring your host and today we have a good friend jill tanis with us good to see you thanks for having me rick yeah so uh Jill, I'm trying to remember back because it is the year 2018, and we probably met somewhere around 2003 to 2005. Was I think it in 2003. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we were in a small group, a house church of sorts, through um, Mars Hill Bible Church. And this was just a time of growth and beauty for, I think, all of us. Tell me about where you were at in your own life and journey at that time, and how you stumbled into that group. Yeah, that was a pretty amazing time to be in that group for sure. I believe we were in there with some really great other couples yeah. um, and you and people that we, my husband and I, didn't even know. And we stumbled across it because we ran into people at Mars Hill one day in a crowded um you know, a crowded service, and they're like, don't we know you? Don't we know you? As we got talking, they invited us in, mm. and we ended up coming at our first time. Remember us leaving that first, whatever we would call it, that first gathering? Sure. And I said, I feel like we're home. Wow. There was just humans in there that were kind and thoughtful and loving and curious mm-hmm. and kind of all of us coming together with a lot of questions in our life. We were all in interesting places, don't you think? 
Of course. Yeah. We were all crossing different paths and different journeys and, um, kind of centered around weekly getting together around a meal, um, time of just sharing where we're at and a newer sense of vulnerability for me, certainly in terms of Mm. let's just, and I think there were layers to that. You have these early moments of showing your best self and then slowly realizing that so many other people have their other struggles on the journey and to share that and to say me too was a big deal it to, was. to have empathy. What I, what we loved about it, what I loved about it was it was a continuation of what I had been learning and growing in mm-hmm. over those last five to seven years leading up to that point. Yeah. Which tell me was, more about that. Yeah. It was just about, um, I was 19. I had spiraled into a, for lack of a better way of saying it, a life-threatening eating disorder in college. I was like 87 pounds soaking wet. Mm. I was in a really rough spot. I was depressed. I was obsessed with food and body image, and I was going through a lot of anxiety and stress. Um, I felt flat emotionally. I wasn't feeding my body, nourishing my body good food, and this extroverted, bubbly personality really turned into a very introverted, um, fear-driven, mm-hmm. um, kind of an OCD type of personality. And so, long story short, over the course of several years, and I would say what started the healing journey for me outside of being at a place where I was ready was that a, one of my colleagues, one of my um, peers came in my room and said, basically, I see a lot of myself in you. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this pertains to you at all, but I want to share my story with you. And she shared her story, and I found myself in that story. And then all of a sudden I realized there's power in sharing our stories mm-hmm. and being vulnerable. And that was the catalyst for moving me into that healing space and within a couple of days after that um, a person in a leadership role where I was in school she shared her story Wow! and it wasn't that she was doing that for me it was in a bigger group of people and I grabbed a hold of that part of her story that I Mm. and it was just again again and again where I realized there's power in me sharing my story and I started sharing and being open with my journey with eating. And so going into that house church, going into that season, it was such a beautiful thing to go into a space where we were all sharing our stories sure, and being honest. And, um, there was no judgment. There was so much grace. Yeah. Such a special time there with, with so many people. And I remember then, your path of education and and I suppose healing on it brought you to all sorts of places. I think you guys ended up heading to Boston at yep, one point. Boston, New York City. So we left actually that area and moved out east. And and what was the the work going on in Boston? That well, drew? I went back to school in New York City at the Institute for mm-hmm. Integrative Nutrition. At the time, it was there, and um, my husband also had work in Boston, and so we decided to go and experience a new adventure it was a very life-giving time and a good learning time Mm -hmm. I went back to a school where um, by that time I had been healed of my eating disorder and I wanted to help other women 
and, and coach them around this. And so it was the natural next progression, uh, after my husband was out of grad school and, um, it was a really great time to put words to actually my own experience mm -hmm. and then being able to carry that into the work that I do now. Yeah, that is outstanding. So about the work you do now, you are a co-founder for the Nourish to Flourish Society. Am I saying that correctly? Yeah. Okay. Tell us about that, um, uh, a little bit about your co-founder, Angel, and just what, how long that journey's been going and, and where you guys are, are taking this. Angel and I met 14, 15 years ago when we were out at, in New York City in a crowded auditorium. It's like 800 people in a room and we, our eyes connected. And I went over to say hi. We introduced ourselves. We realized we were both from Michigan. Okay. And someone said to us, you guys look like sisters. Are you sisters? It just caught our attention so interestingly. And we stayed in touch. We connected with each other. We got our information from one another. And we just stayed in touch for, you know, 10, 11 years where just a couple times a year she was doing her thing. I was doing my thing. I was doing private coaching at the time. And uh, I had a private practice here for mm -hmm. 13 years. And um, she was doing her work. And about two and a half to three years ago, she called me up. And she said, Jill, I'm, I want to work. I'm, I don't want to work alone anymore. I want to work with a partner and I want it to be you. And it was a perfect time for me. I had mm. just recently been diagnosed with Lyme disease. I was going through a lot of different things in my own health and being in a private practice wasn't, um, was pretty hard for me to be, it was hard to sustain that mm -hmm. with where I was at in my health. So it was a natural, like, yes, this is what I'm looking for. So we created the Nourish to Flourish Society just under three years ago. And we, our role is creating online programs for mm -hmm. women to support them in basically giving them support and a roadmap for food and self-care in a way that's sustainable and life-giving. And it has been a really fun journey together. Yeah, She's definitely. a great partner. Yeah, and I was, I was lucky enough to meet her. You had this beautiful soiree. Um, this past fall, uh, hosted at Camp Blodgett. So good. We lucked out on the weather for the most part. Um, but I saw pictures and takeaways from that, and my wife got to attend. And just you filled the room with, you know, farm-to-table food and excellent um, juice that was fresh. And the whole – it wasn't just about the food. It was about the whole person and a celebration of womanhood. And um, it was just fascinating to see, but kind of rewinding back, I think a good 18 months prior to that, um, you know, my wife and I had, we'd run into you from time to time at church and suddenly Sherry would bring up to me, Hey, let's try this thing called the reset out and Jill's doing it. And um, it's this approach to um, just kind of resetting your body, your mindset in in regards to your whole relationship with food. And it has, um, you know, certainly, you know, a lot of your voice is towards women, but you should know it is, it is penetrating our whole household. Mm -hmm. And we are not perfect in our relationship with food, but it is certainly shifting our whole self into how we treat um, shame and guilt in our life. Um, themes of uh, sugar 
smacking us in the face and saying, eat me. <laughs> um, so tell us maybe just a portion about um, these series of resets that you've done and, mm-hmm. and where that's, you know, maybe some beautiful stories that have come out of that. Yeah, so I love hearing that because yeah. we know, we of course we know that it's, uh, well, it's designed for women. We support women on our program. We have a private community for women. We give them a 14-day done-for-you meal plan. We have a guidebook along with it, the recipes. Everything is laid out as best as we possibly could for any question that any woman has. So when they register, <clears throat> they are given this information. They give the access to us in our private community so they can have accountability both with us and our coaching, but also these women from all over the world that are doing it at the same time. And we know that this is also benefiting you as a husband mm-hmm. and your kids. We we knew that the reset had to do three things. You know, had to be food that had to be it was delicious and easy to prepare. That was important, mm-hmm. right? We don't want to spend a lot of time in the kitchen. Both Angel and I have three kids. Sure. We are busy women too. We know that's important. We also know that it has to be um, something the whole family would love and that it would be delicious for everybody. Right. And uh, the third thing, I'm trying to think of all the things that we, we made sure that it had to be um, delicious food that the whole, easy to prepare. That was the second one. Delicious okay. and easy to prepare and that the whole family would love. Mm-hmm. So with that said, we also know that it can't just be about food mm-hmm. because if I you know, go back to my story and my healing journey, an eating disorder at the roots in my experience and what I understand it to mean is not about food. That's a symptom to something deeper. Right. And so in my journey of healing, I have picked up a lot of really beautiful ways to talk about it, but knowing that the food is important, Mm -hmm. I call it, we, so I'll break it down for you. I call it primary and secondary food. So secondary food are the actual foods that come on your plate. They are important for all things like hormonal harmony and, you know, helping with your cravings and giving your body food that it recognizes, you know, giving, um, you know, allowing you to calm your cravings. What food boosts my energy? How do I jumpstart weight loss? So all that stuff is in the secondary food piece. And we knew we had to have that piece. It's very important. And we give a very... And I know you know this, 14 days, like this is it. Like you don't have to follow it this way, but for women who like that, yeah, we give that to them. The other piece is the primary food piece. And these are non-food things that primarily feed us on a deeper level. So things like our um, relationships, mm-hmm. are they nourishing? Are they stressful? Um, are they, you know, are they life-giving? What, what is the work that I'm doing in this world? It's, whether it's as a mom or volunteering or in my job, what, what, how am I, how is it nourishing or not nourishing me? How is right. it stressful? Um, the, the movement, the exercise I'm doing, am I exercising to burn calories? Am I exercising to lose weight and if I'm obsessed with it? Or am I moving my body because it feels really good and I love it? Right. And, um, you know, I like to say that the spirituality piece is very all-encompassing, that, you know, all of life is spiritual. And mm-hmm. so we take all of those pieces and in some way, shape, or form have put it into the reset. So it's not just food. It's also self-care. It's emotional support. It's mindset. Mm-hmm. And we put that into a 14-day program. 
Awesome. It's called the 14-Day Reset. Yeah. So that's a little bit about our most signature work that we do with women. We call it our foundation work. Mm-hmm. It's it's something that clients ask me for time and time again when we were working privately and also Angel too. So it was created because we know that be able to do the other stuff. Let's get this in place. Let's right. start here. Right. And I think I think the piece that I'm really interested in too, and I don't think necessarily that you two are the only ones doing this, but I think it is a major mind shift versus the large bulk, the 90% of people's approaches to, um, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to do less of this. And it's a little bit of a whole person approach to that also involves food. And, mm-hmm. you know, as we are, are entering into holiday season, we're entering towards January 1st, where everyone's going to reinvent themselves and get on that latest <laughs> and greatest diet. You mentioned that you can't just put your health into a nice, neat box. This is not a thing that's just about calories in and calories out. Tell us a few tidbits about how you change that mind shift. And this might be stuff you thought about seven, eight, nine years ago. But what were some of the aha moments of, I've got to change from this mm-hmm. boxed system of, if I do this, it's this results. And kind of thinking bigger picture about our health and our food. Yeah. I'll first say that, you know, Angel and I were, are pretty open about our own personal journeys. And we always say that we wish we would have had this program for ourselves <laughs> when we were going through our stuff. So it's kind of trial and error for right. us over time. And it's taken time and it still evolves. But one of the things that was really helpful for me in understanding is that um, – I can be eating the best food, but somehow I might still be unhappy. Or if that relationship is stressful, how does that food actually help me feel healthier? Because that's what happened. Things in my life started spiraling out of control. I started getting a lot of stressors in my life when I was 19. And I felt like I can't control what's happening around me, but I can control what I do for myself. So I started walking and eating healthier, and it turned into this controlling obsessive um, behavior that within a year, you know, I had spiraled down into losing 40 pounds. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, going back to the roots of that and understanding like, where did this come from? Right. You know, and understanding that food was just, you know, some mechanism or symptom to help me, you know, how buffer that, but that doesn't necessarily mean that went away. Right. You need to address those other things that are going on in your life. And really, if we stop and slow down enough, which is what we talk about in the reset and being able to slow down enough, our bodies are so smart, Rick. And we, if we slow down enough, your body is going to communicate with you. Mm-hmm. You know, she maintains 986 if something's wrong and you have a headache, it's not that something's wrong with you. It's just saying something is not, you know, in alignment. I'm trying to get your attention. Here's a symptom, you know, or you're getting bloating or stomach mm-hmm. pain or fatigue. It's not that there's something inherently wrong. It's your body's brilliant way of trying to get your attention. And the same thing is true with cravings. A lot of women look at that as a willpower issue or, you know, um, cravings are not something that happen. you know, they happen to me mm-hmm. and I've got to resist them. And our work is really reframing our conversation with cravings 
that it's not something that happens to you, but it happens for you for a reason. There's a message there. Mm -hmm. And if we can lean in without judgment and without a need to fix it and just listen, there is a connection that we can have between body and heart, like mind and body or mind and heart. I like to say that, you know, in our head, we have all these ways of what we should be doing. I should be eating this way. I should be exercising this way. Whatever that looks like. There's good information in that brain. But then there's this heart piece of like, yeah, but I've been working all day and I don't want to work out. I want to go take a nap or, you know, and, and so it's really what I've learned in my work is not to compartmentalize Mm -hmm. the parts of me but to turn them towards one another and realize how do I work with all parts of me to communicate synergistically and listen to them and honor them. Mm -hmm. You know, um, there's, you know, the definition of metabolism is the sum of all chemical reactions in the body. So when you're talking about calories in, calories out, that's why you can't put it into one nice, neat box. Right. You know, there's a there's a sense of having the ability to, you know, what are my emotions doing? You know, even things like um, negative thoughts about yourself that that has a metabolic energy to mm. it. And so we want to work with all those things and help moving you towards, you know, health, awesome. all body health. Yeah. Uh, my wife Sherry has been fortunate enough to experience some of your teaching at the corporate level. So you guys do the reset, but you're still starting to enter into this world of how can we affect a whole group of women that are, you know, so she works for Noonday Collection. Yeah. So you guys are in this realm of, of playing around with corporate interaction with, with large groups of women. So she sat in, in an online course with you recently and she, she says, I love Jill because she'll say stuff that's like just on the tip of her tongue, almost like it's flippantly, but it's becoming part of you. And for her, it's an aha moment. So I think those have huge value. And, and that one, it, it was in regards to this topic of how we look at food and, and that we say we have to be restricting. We need to be avoiding. We need to be cutting out. And those are all well and good. But it's then the whole focus on x whether that's gluten sugar dairy you know large carbs whatever that is it's all focused on that and you mentioned what you focus on grows tell us about that Hmm. yes this is great going into the new year because a lot (laughs) of women will say i need to stop eating sugar Mm -hmm. i need to start exercising a certain way so if they say i gotta stop eating sugar then all of a sudden what are you thinking about the sugar. sugar I want to eat the sugar. I'm going to stop eating, you know, chocolate or I have to cut out alcohol. Mm-hmm. And then I'm focused on the alcohol, focused on cutting it out and I keep thinking about it. And that becomes a hard thing versus uh, an approach Angela and I like to, to have is, and this has been helpful for me in my own healing journey in my eating disorders, shifting the way that we talk about it. Mm-hmm. And what I focus on, if I want to focus on you know, eating healthier instead of saying, I'm going to cut out all the junk. I want to add in lemon water every morning. Mm -hmm. I'm going to add in, um, you know, three servings of whatever a day. I'm going to add in, you know, a walk outside in the fresh air for 15 minutes versus I have to stop sitting on the couch when I get home. Versus when I get home, 
I'm going to put my shoes on. I'm going to walk around the block for 15 minutes. Do you, like, even just hearing it, do you feel the difference yeah. between... It's an active and positive statement. Very much so. Yes. And so the goal is trying to figure out how to reframe the way that we talk about certain things so that it becomes something that I get to do mm-hmm. and I look forward to and I'm really focused on the goal. And so one of the things we like to say is add in to crowd out. Yes. You know, I'm going to add in the good quality things. And that will naturally crowd out the things that I don't want or need. And an example early in my career, uh, working with a single mom, she had a few kids. She was working full time. She was uh, an avid smoker and she knew she needed to quit smoking. Would it be easy for me to say, well, just quit smoking? Right. When it was a lifeline for her, mm-hmm. it was a stress, um, you know, it helped with her stress. It was a coping for her with certain things that were, were stressful. And so I look at it as like a three-legged stool for her and maybe more legs, but let's just assume a three-legged stool mm-hmm. and smoking was one of those legs. Mm-hmm. And it, if I just take that out or if she just takes that out and I say, you can't have this. She's going to topple over. It's going to topple. So we want to create and add in really sturdy foundational legs on that stool so that when that smoking, you know, it's either going to crowd it out or you have enough of those nourishing habits in place that it gets a lot easier. You had a client <laughs> who came to me one time and she said, you can do whatever you want to me. <laughs> Sounds really funny. You can do whatever you want, but don't touch my Diet Coke. Oh, yeah. You cannot take out my Diet Coke. And I'm just, I've got my hands in the air smiling like, this is your journey. You know, I'm not right. doing anything. But what I said to her was, okay, we're not going to touch your Diet Coke. But every time you have a craving for Diet Coke, drink a glass of water first. Mm. And then you have the craving again at lunch. Drink water first. Drink water first. And then you can do whatever you want. But just have a glass of water first. We worked together on a few things. I remember her coming back. This was like working. It was like fourth or fifth session. And she came back to me with these big, huge eyes. And she almost looked pissed off. (laughs) (laughs) And she was like, how did you do that? And I was like, I have no idea what you mean. And she said, I haven't had a Diet Coke in nearly two weeks. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't anything other than she was focusing on adding in these really nourishing behaviors. Mm -hmm. And crowding out those things that actually her body probably never even really wanted. Right. She was just trying to figure out, you know, what it was that she really needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's really at the foundation of my work and the work at Nourish to Flourish Society is asking those questions like, what most nourishes me? Right. What right. is the next nourishing choice? Yeah. And this stopping and pausing, I think, has been just whether it be the mindset of the reset or stopping and listening to your body, stopping and having a drink of water first. I was paying attention to your social media a little bit after the soiree into the fall, and you had been on a lot of journeys, you had been traveling, and you had this moment where you shared, I've been all over the place, I've been going a mile a minute, and I am, by the way, extremely dehydrated. And then you had this picture of this water that looked like a Bloody Mary. (laughs) It's so good, But like a good, right? Like you put, you're like, I'm going to find a way to put whatever good into this water. And I want to make water fun for me because I have to do this. That was just really cool approach to, I need to get more water in my life. 
life. Yeah, I was I was craving everything I could get my hands on. Yes. And I and I I did. I stopped because I was like, what is going on? And I realized I haven't been drinking enough water. So for those of you listening, if cravings are big for you, I mean, we do have a very strategic plan in our reset to help calm cravings, but start by making sure you get enough water. Just add in more water. And and like you said, I had to make it fun. So I put in a <laughs> clear ball jar with a beautiful straw, some glass straw, and I had in there anything from the kitchen fridge, right? Right. Lemons and oranges and parsley and mint, and I was sucking it down. It was great. That's outstanding. Yeah. What, um, so I'm, I'm kind of interested in at the end of this three questions and, and one of the, those questions gets us into the topic of what's going to be next. So I'm going to present the three questions to you first. And in the next portion, we're going to be able to talk about, um, how the audience might be able to get involved also to find both you and Angel on social media mm-hmm. or, or on your website. And, um, so we will enter into that now. Um, I am trying to do a whole person approach or just an approach of um, three questions at the end of every conversation. So those questions are, um, what's good? In the question of what's good, um, what is good in this world that makes you come alive? Hmm. My children, Mm -hmm. first of all, I have three boys. They keep me active and learning and curious about life. I love looking through their lens. So I would say what's good is really being in relationship with them and being their mom is just really good in the world. I love them so much. (laughs) That's great. Um, But on a, you know, on the level for me personally, I've always been like, what makes me come alive in this world We live along Lake Michigan, Rick. Mm -hmm. Lake Michigan, the beach, the wind, the water. Uh, For some reason, and it makes a lot of sense for people listening probably, but the spirit really does speak to me. Like I feel connected to the spirit when I am in nature Mm -hmm. and when I'm by the water. It's a good place for me to to think and to clear my head and to really get into myself in a... In, in a really good way. Um, so anything from trees and wind and waves and, you know, fires and, you know, even dancing. I love being yeah. in a, we do a lot of dance parties. So that would be the thing that I love that's good. And the other part would be authentic connection. I found that we talk about story, just looping it back to the beginning of our podcast conversation the idea of being in authentic connection with people Mm -hmm. and not only, you know, being seen and loved and appreciated for who I am, but really cultivating the practice of doing that for other people. And I think especially in the world right now, that is, we want to keep focusing on that Mm -hmm. goodness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I suppose that enters us into the framework of, you know, when we begin with what's good, I said what's bad, but really I want to frame that in what could be better. Um, what what needs mending or change in this world today that you are passionate about? Yeah, I don't get I don't I don't talk about this enough in public, but I get pretty fired up, Rick. Yeah. When we talk about genetically modified food 
and environmental toxins yeah. and what we're spraying on everything we put in our mouth. Mm -hmm. And we know that from research that sugar is as addictive as cocaine. Mm -hmm. This needs mending. Absolutely. And um, somehow if we know, we've seen the research, what it does in your brain, and we're still selling it, selling it on the shelves and feeding it to our families, we glorify it at parties and mm -hmm. church activities and games and schools, and it's, it's a glorified addiction that's linked to illness, and it's linked to inflammation and hyperactivity and blood sugar imbalances, and I think we've become a sick nation because of it, and um, we're eating far too much of it, and we know this, mm -hmm. and I think it needs mending, and I'm not quite sure what that's going to look like collectively. Um, we're so far off the pendulum as a whole. Yeah. And so that's part of it. And I think also, you know, as far as your question of, you know, what could be better in relationship to that is having a reverent posture around that holistic idea of consumption. Mm -hmm. And we toy around in our work with the idea of savoring versus consuming, yes. you know, as it relates to food um, and so as you approach the holidays, that might be something that sticks for you Right. as far as like, I don't, I don't label necessarily food good or bad. I label it more what's more nourishing for me and what's mm -hmm. not so nourishing for me. And so being able to, whatever you're doing, savor it. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that goes back to that whole person topic that you're talking about that, when we're talking about food, we're also talking about our relationships. And there's all sorts of traditions in how people open up their gifts, let's say, or mm -hmm. get into the stocking. And I'm not going to mess with those or judge those, but what does it look like to savor those moments mm -hmm. as opposed to simply consume? I, I, I don't even, I have a distaste for the word consumer. Mm -hmm. So I have many labels over my head and one of those within an American West capitalist society is I am labeled as a consumer. How, who out there can put a dollar sign over my head and how much mouth space can they get out of me? Mm -hmm. Be that be coffee, water, Diet Coke, or the latest IPA from New England. <laughs> you know, so they're they're all they're all marketing for how much consumption space they can get out of each one of us mm -hmm. and what does it look to oh just to stop and even whether it be the holidays or, or throughout our whole year to not treat everything as consumption and just opening up the gift and throwing it aside but to savor each gift that we give and receive mm -hmm. to savor each whether we have plenty of sugar or not at the holidays that um, we stop and we enjoy it for the moment but that that doesn't turn into uh, 15 cookies as opposed to one. Yeah, I mean, I have a couple of thoughts on that that might be helpful for your listeners, yes. which are, you know, really asking the question, what is my come from? You know, am I coming from a place of, you know, not enough? Am I coming from a place of fear and shame and guilt? Mm -hmm. Or am I coming from a place of celebration and love and you know connection so no matter what like i said i don't want to label like when we talk about sugar i'm talking about it collectively totally. i'm talking about like when you go to the grocery store and you see how much 
is going on there. But when you're sitting in front of your holiday and you have a spirit of celebration, mm -hmm. that is an invitation to savor. Right. You know, it's really fun to watch my husband. Um, he loves a good beer, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And and I and I love a good scotch. Yeah. Um, as he does, he also loves coffee. Yeah. And he went through a time where coffee was kind of taking over. Okay. And he was using it because he was in adrenal fatigue. Mm -hmm. And you as a listener might resonate with that. We have a lot of women that come and be like, I can't imagine giving up my coffee for the reset. Right. But the reset is really about us reestablishing, resetting your relationship with it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Ryan, my husband, it was cool. Like the first time he did the reset, he realized his relationship with coffee was not so nourishing. Mm -hmm. And since then, and he's a saverer anyway, but he, you know, on Saturdays he makes a good pour over coffee yeah. and it's an experience. He yes. just makes the whole experience over it and he savors it and he loves it. And he does that with good beer. You know, he puts it in a glass, he pours it, he's doing it while he's grilling or sitting in front of the fire and it's a savoring mm -hmm. thing. It's not about consuming three of them. Yeah. It's about the one. Nor necessarily something to demonize. No. You know, but to sit in and savor. Yeah. So yeah. just checking in. Like part of the reset is to just check in yeah. and what is my come from? What is my relationship to this? And there is no judgment. It's just curiosity. Mm -hmm. And, and if you're open to it, you might find some really golden nuggets in there about how to make it a more nourishing experience for you. Yeah. Last piece, tell me a little bit about what's next and that can be very big or very small, but also some real touch points of how people can, really join this journey or, or begin it with you? Yeah, so as far as what's next is a continuation of what we're doing at the Nourish to Flourish Society, which is really getting traction and, you know, inviting women and their families to mm -hmm. um, experience the reset and, you know, being able to share that experience with their community so it creates a ripple effect that's our hope. Our hope is that this thing grows to a place where this becomes more of the norm, that we are nourishing ourselves with really good quality food and conversation and, and um, you know, ways that we talk to ourselves. And in the private community, we, you know, set the tone for what we hope that will be as far as a supportive community. So I would say, you know, that is a big part of 2019 for us is continuing to really hold space for women in that they can find us at nourish to flourish society.com. Mm -hmm. And there's a reset tab, a program tab for the reset. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, we're beginning our next one in the winter. We do seasonally. So there's a winter and a spring and a fall and they have different meal plans for each cause we do seasonal meal plans. And that one is Question January 13th. Yeah. Is the mango tango smoothie on all three sets? It is. Because that's a big, we're a big fan of the mango tango. That's why we put it on all three, <laughs> just for you. Um, it is a, it is a beloved smoothie. So yes. Of, of many meals. We, we have been very grateful and I'll not interrupt, but uh, let you finish and I'll tell you about our gratefulness in a minute. No, you go ahead. Um, I, I think that, you know, it's fun for people to hear other clients and participants stories mm -hmm. that to me is more than me talking about it 
my my hope and my goal is that whoever experiences the reset shares about it. So I would I would love for people to hear your yeah. experience. Yeah. Well, so yeah, I mean, we have probably done the reset upwards of five to six times, if I had to imagine. And I think we had such a journey ahead of us of how we reframed food, um, how we combined um, healthy fats, and even acknowledging that a thing called a healthy fat exists, um, and that you need it in your body, um, and finding good natural sugars in fruits that we can't find in uh, processed sugar. Um, just different topics of, of really finding this food to be so, my wife fell in love with mustard because of the, the reset and I was, uh, we otherwise wouldn't have it in the household. So that was a really good situation. But, um, the long story short, um, our household and, and my wife in particular, we've been extremely grateful for the work that you and Angel have done because we think you're on to something that we didn't otherwise know. And that has been to acknowledge that our relationship with some foods is out of whack and it needs mending. Mm -hmm. And in, in doing that, you find a better way of life. You find more energy. You find yourself loving yourself more. And so we are forever grateful for that. We hope to continue on the journey, um, but a sincere thank you to you for all your work. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's a joy. And, you know, just to piggyback what you're saying is that there is no right way on the reset or in your journey with food. I like to think of it as a continuum and we're all on our own continuum mm -hmm. and it looks differently for everybody. And it's not for you or me to compare ourselves to anybody else because we're just following what's the next right thing for us. What's the most next, most nourishing thing for us. And so that's, you know, being able to show women uh, and help them understand that where they are is where they are. And let's move you along your continuum and do that in a way that's empowering and impactful, you know, in a way that's gracious and loving, too. I think that's what's so different about the reset is it isn't a set of rules. I mean, there's it's not strict, but there is structure. There's a very right. different thing between structure and being strict with rules it's giving you structure that lends itself to freedom and lends itself to be able to make it work for your unique story. And so I think that's what's so beautiful about it. And you get to do that. You know, it's going to look different even for you and Sherry, mm -hmm. but it looks different from family to family, even with a kid to kid. And um, so I think that's, you know, when you say what's next, it's really about educating people on mm -hmm. that and, and, and inviting them into the journey with us. We would love to support anybody who's interested in that. Um, I have a few books in my head that I want to write. I think sure. it'd be really interesting to write about my eating disorder story because mm -hmm. back then we were not talking about that stuff. Right. And I think that it's really an important thing to continue to share our stories. So that's kind of ruminating in my brain too. And I have a whole bunch of other things too, but I think the other part that's next is I realize that my kids are growing up really fast, Rick. Mm. <laughs> and so in the middle of all this, it's really, again, the idea of savoring and slowing down enough to take in my boys and this family time is so unique because it goes so fast and realizing mm -hmm. and really soaking that up to be present with them and help them grow into these beautiful humans mm -hmm. and being a part of that story with them.
Well, that's a good word. <laughs> a good word. Remembering that savor. That's great. Well, thank you so much for your time. Uh, when does the next reset begin in 2019? January 13. Awesome. And registration should be open by the time that we post this podcast. Yeah, as long as Rick has all his ducks in a row. Well, again, thank you so much for your time. Uh, we look forward to seeing where the journey takes you. And uh, we're so blessed to be part of it. So thank you. Thanks, Rick.